Welcome, everybody, back to the Broken Post Podcast. I am your occasionally present uh, co-host, Kyle Michael. With me, as always, and always present, is Clara. Clara, say hi to everybody. Hi, I think Kyle's feeling a little resentful that I left him out the last few times. No, no. resentment no. or bitterness there in your voice. No, 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 I'm not bitter at all. I'm not part <laughs> my revenge. Anyway, uh, <laughs> with us this week is the fantastic Isaac Howe. Isaac, do you want to say hi to everybody? Jesus. <laughs> Quite the entrance, yeah, hello. <laughs> hey. Uh, <laughs> he sounds like a, like a, what, what are the circus ringleaders? Are they ringleaders? The ones that... With the whip, the, oh, I don't know. You, I believe you sound like you're in a circus right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm holding a whip right now. As <laughs> Never mind. That's for non-podcast related reasons. Anyway, oh, yeah. oh, shut up. <laughs> Sorry. It's the bronchitis, as I said. It's the bronchitis. <laughs> it's the bronchitis. It's it's okay. It makes two of us. I'm getting over being. I've been in the house for the past four days. So yeah, this is my excitement for the weekend. <laughs> I never get sick because I live in Arizona. So I'm always. You sick. also have a superhuman immune system. I got sick in Arizona. <laughs> I live here, so I'm always like messed up somewhere. But You're sorry, uh, Kyle, go ahead. I'm, I I interject. Well, everybody, uh, for those of you that don't know Isaac, he is a, a sprinter for the Champion Systems, presented by Stands No Tubes. He's one of the top Criterium sprinters in the country and has won places like the Connecticut Cycling Festival, Sunny King Criterium, Old Pueblo Criterium, and so many podiums I can't even begin to start talking about. No, I pretty much, I think that's it, actually. (laughs) All right, we're done. Good night, everyone. (laughs) No, there's a few more. I just, those are the, those are the most recent ones. Um, Also involved with a fantastic company, Oracase. Did I pronounce that correctly, Isaac? Yeah, that's that's it. Yep. Yeah, hey, that's it. anything else I missed out on? Uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I just turned 28, so that's that's probably another big thing going on for my life hey, right now. Hey, that makes two yeah. of us. You and I are the same age. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't. You know, racing bikes, making bike cases. That's that's pretty much sums me up right now. I think. Yeah. It sums you up right now. Oh, there's way more to be. To you than that. We, uh, yeah, well, I know this. That's the surface. There you go. That's the surface. It's, it's the surface, just racing bikes. All right. All right. So, so while we're talking about racing bikes, um, you know, it's the cold is finally breaking. You're in Vermont, right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like that. It does not. <laughs> but, but to be fair, I've only been here for like four days. I actually, uh, I, you know, right after New Year's, I went down to Florida and I was riding staying with a uh, college friend in Naples and Ooh. Uh, yeah, in Naples, Florida, which the riding isn't, it isn't spectacular there, but there's a great cycling community. And, uh, the people, if you're familiar with Floridian racers, like they have one speed 365 days a year and it's like, <laughs> it's like pretty fast, you know, like, and when I'm like, you know, right off the couch, it's like really fast. And so uh, I went down there and got my butt kicked from them for a while and then came home and, and, uh, and you know, worked on the company some and then went out uh, to Arizona for another five weeks. And I only got home here on Tuesday. So and I'm, I'm, I have to leave again this upcoming Thursday. So I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm in the cold, but I'm not I'm not here that long. Yeah, well. One of my favorite things about Naples, Florida is, uh, since I'm from Florida, we call that heaven's waiting room. It's where everyone goes to retire and die. 
So, yeah. and apparently pedal bikes quite time fast. You're a cyclist and you're down there too. That's a place to go to get hit by cars too. So, <laughs> so many old people driving around with their eyes yeah. closed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. Yeah, that's that pretty dangerous stuff. Because, like, Naples is like, oh, I want to go as south as I can in Florida, but I don't want to be in Miami, so I'll go to the other coast of Florida in the panhandle. It, my, the- per- my perception of wealth, though, is completely altered forever by having visited that place, though. It's, uh, it's unreal. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, not a cheap place to live, or at least own. But it, it's gorgeous. Um, but it's a, it's a special slice of special. Yeah, it's definitely, I think very few people actually consider Florida though as, as a legitimate place to go to visit in the wintertime, like, uh, for training specifically, like, uh, you know, there isn't much terrain, like there are, in fact, there's zero terrain. It, the, like I did, (laughs) I, I think I did 500 miles last week I was there and, uh, and I did 4,000 feet of climbing in 500 miles. So that's, you know, but, but again, it's the community. Naples is a wonderful community and the people there are great. And, uh, and like just speaking about riding in general, like I think that, uh, people should consider going to Florida. Uh, maybe Naples isn't ideal, but places like, you know, or, uh, out west of Orlando, like Claremont and Mount Dora and places like that. Oh man. It's like the East coasters. I, I, I just, I, I like it. So, it's so great down there because it's so convenient and the riding is spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Claremont actually has an Olympic training center there. So they actually go out and ride Mount Dora constantly. And there's a, uh, next time you're in Florida, there's a giant airport ride that uh, a lot of the Olympians go out and ruin a bunch of uh, old men in the master's category on, I think it's a Thursday night ride or something like that. <laughs> oh, I I guess, yeah, I went to a training camp there in mid-January with uh, Grant Potter. He he owns... Oh, like yeah, a, okay. Yeah, he owns a house in Mount Dora, and uh, I went up and uh, was riding with some of the guys uh, who... I guess it was a, a training camp kind of for the Stradali uh, cycling team, their, their, their elite team that they have in Florida, and uh, I kind of just... I don't really know how I managed to get into that thing, but... I went up and rode with those guys, and we did, did a couple of those group rides. And again, I can't I can't reiterate it enough, especially when when I'm you know five pounds overweight and coming from three feet of snow. Those guys are those guys just kicked my butt the whole time, but uh, but it was great. So yeah, for those of you that don't know, Grant Potter is a uh, former Masters World Champion, and uh, the man, the man knows how to pedal a bicycle, <laughs> so to speak. I think he also came like top three that year in the Masters Time Trial World Championships too, and uh, yeah, he uh, he heads up the Estradali team based out of Miami, who has a uh, really big presence in Southwest Florida. You're, are you going to the Delray Crit? I will be. Yeah, actually, on Thursday. Uh, well, I'm, I normally would go down until Friday, but I'm leaving on Thursday Uh so fly to Miami, and then I'll be racing the the Delray Crit. But unfortunately, this year I can't race the the uh, Tampa Crit because our team is sending a split or is running split squads that weekend. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be picked to go to be on the race count the race uh, to go to to race in Singapore. There's like this uh, unreal 
uh, crit, crit they have in Singapore every year. That's got like, I, there's a lot of, cons- there's a lot of uh, debate over how much prize money there is there, but there's a lot. <laughs> and, uh, it's the, is that none of us really know how to use, I guess, the currency converters to figure out exactly how much money it is. But uh, there's a ton, and we're going there, and uh, and I'm I'm getting to fly out on Sunday from uh, somewhere in Florida and 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 yeah, endure a 36 hour flight to to go to go do this. Oh, oh. yeah. I mean. The, the, it's. I think that's going to be one of the hardest things I've done in a while. But I, I am so thankful, appreciative of the opportunity to go to be able to go to Singapore and, and do this race. It's just going to be a once in a lifetime experience. That's awesome. So uh, that's what I was going to ask. Or, or have you traveled overseas for crits like this before? Is this the, one of the first ones? Or this is actually the first crit that I've ever gone to. But it's not the first one day race. I, the only t- other time I've gone to Asia was for the uh, Taiwan Cup. And that was with racing for when I was racing for Kenda. But we went there for like sort of like sponsorship relations reasons as well, because uh, the Kenda factory is based out of Taiwan. And, and so we went over there and, you know, and, uh, and you know, visited the factory and met to, met some of the employees and just did things to sort of uh, contribute to the to the, you know, to the image of the company. And like and we did this race as well. So, but we were there for like two weeks and, uh, and so it was a much more, and it was at the end of the year. So honestly, none of us really cared about the race. We were just going there like to be the fact that we got to go to Taiwan and, uh, it was just incredible. But, uh, this year, given that the race is so early, uh, and we have, uh, race, important races before and immediately after this race, we have to be very surgical and precise about our, about our, uh, our trip there. And so, we're going in, we're leaving on Sunday, and then uh, we don't get there until Tuesday but because uh, of the time change and all that. But then the race is on Friday night, and we leave on Sunday again. So it's like it's only like, you know, six days or something. Uh-huh. So, so it's going to be super fast, super quick trip. Hopefully, hopefully I won't be so jet-lagged and tired that I'll be able to actually venture out and appreciate sort of what we're, you know, the opportunity that we're being given by being able to go there. Oh crap. That sounds awesome. Now, now when you went to Taiwan, was that when Phil Gaiman was on the team? Yeah, Phil was on the team. Yeah. He, he didn't really participate in the race. He just, uh, <laughs> he got, uh, he got a mechanical in the neutral section of the race. So <laughs> it's he was my favorite sorry. Phil story. Did you hear the podcast? Did you hear that when he was on the podcast with Mike Reed? Cause he talked about this race. Uh, nah, it was, it was, was it the Creed, Creed, Creed podcast? The, the open mic. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was my favorite Phil story. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard that one, but I, I, it's when you, when I, when you go into Phil's house, uh, well, I guess not anymore, but his old house that he, he still owns it, but he moved out of it, uh, you know, given the circumstances of this year, uh, but yeah, the, he, it happens, he, right? Yeah, in Athens. So he okay. his his living room was littered with with pictures of like frame. Well, not littered. Excuse me. There were framed photos of this trip all over his his uh, his his walls. And in I I guess that to me is really symbolic of like of the whole trip. Excuse me. Is really representative of the, representative of the significance of that trip. And so I, I haven't heard the actual podcast, but I can imagine that it was pretty humorous because. 
that that trip to me is like uh was great so hopefully it was it was one of the best experiences i've had as a pro cyclist so i'm i'm really looking forward to this one um especially with the group of guys we have i mean the champion systems team is is uh we've only been only raced once this year together and we we just got back from team camp but uh the the dynamic the group dynamic uh for me this year was extremely important to focus on like you know the 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 relationships i had have with my teammates and and i feel like this year we're starting off so well and i i i just i really hope that our trip to singapore was kind of it was a you know like was like my trip with uh the kenda team when we went to taiwan yeah you know, while we have you on the topic of the team um, well, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the team? Well, first off, we had a question. It's because when I had first told Clara that, you're like, yeah, he's on champion system. She, she went, is, didn't that team fold? Now, now, so maybe you can clear that. There, This is the domestic version it's of the team. Just me being an idiot. <laughs> no, I thought the same thing when I saw, like, Isaac signed for champion systems? Yes, for all of us yeah. out there. Yeah, the, the, the D2 team. No, it's, uh, I, it's, it's actually, I think, like, uh, a convenient misconception for us in a little ways because like, uh, well, because it, it helps us because that team was really successful, you know, and, uh, and for people to think that, you know, we might be some resurrection of that program, I think can, can really help us in, in, uh, in sort of, uh, the immediate first impressions people might have of us, but, uh, we might not actually need that as much given, you know, Given the results of our, you know, of last weekend when we raced in in uh, in Tucson, and I, I feel like we pretty handedly won that run. Uh, that's disrespectful. I don't mean to say it like that. <laughs> I mean to say we were in control. I felt like we were really in control of that race, mm-hmm. and uh, and we and we executed exactly the way we intended, and uh, and we ended up winning the race. And so, uh, you know, so I like so we might not need that. You might not need that uh, to hang on to maybe the misconception of us being the D two team, but no, we actually we're we're a first year pro team, and uh, Champion Systems uh, stands no tubes is has been an amateur team in the U S for uh, I think this is going to be the third year um, that 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 they've been um, called Champion Systems. Um, they were another team before, so the the organization's been around for a long time. But, uh-huh. but uh, this year they decided to take a stab into the pro, you know, go, at going pro, and um, with, and and it's 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 you know it, it's kind of going through a lot of the same things that a lot of these these startup pro teams go through, where you know we're we don't have an enormous budget, and so we're we're focusing on having a more uh, cost effective you know race calendar, and you know that means criteriums and and. Uh, and it's great for me because I love crits and, uh, and they're awesome. And they, they have a need for someone who knows how to race the races. And, and, uh, and I, I, I couldn't, I don't really know the, the five-year plan for management, but right now our plan is to come out and, and prove to the, you know, the NCC and the rest of the racers that we're a really strong force in the crits and uh, we want to make sure that crit racing stays alive and uh, and remains to be kind of like a 
uh, an important component of U.S. cycling. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> you sound like Peter from Family Guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's really, that's a really nice compliment. I actually, I wish I could sound like, actually, I was, this morning I was running around, uh, what did I say? I said, uh, Roadhouse. I was running around screaming Roadhouse when someone just oh. asked me. I forgot what I was watching this morning, but I was like, dude, I text my friend, I'm like, dude, it's like Roadhouse, but with less Swayze and more awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what the hell I was watching. But anyway, um, uh, but yeah, back to a champion system presented by Stan Snowtube. So you've got a nine-man <laughs> squad. Uh, why don't you tell us about your teammates and, uh, like, what are their roles on the team? Well, I mean, that's – I I uh, I think – I don't think I can actually say that sort of stuff on this podcast. I don't know exactly what parental rating we're at on the team on this, but uh, oh, you can go ahead do whatever, say whatever you want. Because <laughs> well, you know, this. I also I also don't know if I have the. Uh, but we 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 again we had a really great team camp and um and it's just like I can't. I mean, everyone's everyone's got a specific job, you know, and a specific role, but it, it goes well beyond like what people actually do on the bike. You know, I think that, um, like you need to, it's just it, like for us to be successful as a team, like, like I, I know that I couldn't, I could never win a race if it weren't for my teammates. Like, I think that the, the best execution of teamwork I've ever been a part of was racing with the first time, um, excuse me, the first time I've ever like just had everything come perfectly was old Pueblo two two years ago. I mean, you said this like our my teammate Jim Stamper was solo the whole race, and we did some math in our head and realized that we were probably going to lose in the sprint because he was going to get caught at the line. So we chased him down, leading me out, and I and I won. And it was like, uh, and it, but it, I won, and then, and then I get to stand on the podium, and it was awesome, and uh, and I was like trembling the whole time, but. Uh, but it was a team. It was every. I didn't do anything. All I did was sprint for two hundred meters, and uh, and it's just like that with this team. You know, it's like everyone has everyone has a very very specific role and a specific job on the team. But but uh, uh, but we're all you know. But excuse me. <coughs> but uh, but that's not like that's not really what's going to make us so great. It's not like. You know, it's the personalities, and uh, and I think that like our our last the, the team camp, you know, we just got back from a you know a, a riding together a week before uh, was the first week of March, and it's just like you know the first day we're a little awkward, but but uh, after that it was just like we were friends for like the last five years, and by the end of it, you know, it's like we're still we're still text messaging each other. We have this team text chat message that we just. Uh, my phone's vibrating all day long. I mean, my battery lasts like six hours because the phone's just going off the hook. And I think that the chemistry is just perfect there. And, uh, and it, and I know that my girlfriend probably doesn't want to hear this, but like, I'm excited about going on the road and hanging out with those guys. Cause, uh, and, and to me, I think that's, what's going to make us really successful. I mean, individual riders aren't like, you know, it's no one individually is, like so notable and that's disrespectful to everyone else too i think uh together we're we're just a really a really good group of people and um and we're i mean i, I really think we have what it 
we have the, the, the caliber of athletes and the team dynamic to be really successful. And on top of that, I think that uh, we have really great management, successful businessmen who, um, who know what they're doing financially to be able to make sure that we, we're, we're allocating resources properly throughout the year so that we can have a continued consistent presence in racing uh, th- in, in the throughout the season. So, yeah. and, uh, okay. and, uh, and lastly, additionally, I think we have some of the best sponsors. I think, um, I think, uh, like it, a lot of teams, uh, rely heavily on sponsors that are outside the industry or possibly, you know, with like, or with, with some teams like, like mountain khakis, like it's very largely, uh, you sponsor, you know, that was the team I was on last year. It was really largely sponsored by outside the industry, outside cycling industry sponsors. And then uh, the flip side of that is my previous, the team before that was Kenda, which was almost entirely sponsored by industry sponsors. And I think that Champion Systems is a really great team because it has a mix of both. And I think that uh, it, it gives us some of that, uh, some of the ability to have that consistency that you get from having industry sponsors, but also the potential to be able to get, you know, really big really big money sponsors because we, we have connections to uh, sponsors that aren't all in the industry. And so uh, I, I just, I'm really happy with, with the management and the way that they're running the team. And, and so I, I just like, I, you know, everything is going great. And I mean, that being said, it's hard to not to be completely hundred percent optimistic when, when we, we have, when we're batting a thousand right now. So you know, we're going back to batting a thousand. Do you want to talk about the uh, a little bit more about the race this weekend? Because it was the UA Criterion Road Race in Tucson, right? Yeah, well, it was a it was uh, old, the old Pueblo. Um, oh, it's old. Okay, you know, old Pueblo Grand Prix. You know, and it it was there was a lot of confusion because it was supposed to be. I, I believe it was supposed to be NCC for a while, and then it was just supposed to be USA Crits. And uh, I I don't really know how that whole thing went down, but in the end, it ended up just being like a $15,000 local race, which, mm-hmm. you know, like, like it wasn't a local race. There were still a lot of really good teams. And I think it was a fairly good representation of, uh, the, the, the teams that we'll be racing against throughout the season with the exception of, you know, UHC not being able to race there, which is a really big exception, obviously. Yeah. But, helps. um, yeah. Cause they uh, were in town for that, right? It's part of me. They were in town for that and they were, I presume we're supposed to be there. You both had training camps in Tucson, right? Uh, yeah, their training camps were their training camp. I believe was like a month earlier, yeah. but okay. But uh, yeah, I mean the the race was great. I mean, um, like it's it's weird because I don't really like. Uh, I think that the nerves I have going into a race, the first race of the year, sort of become delayed every every year, like. You know, I'm not thinking about it. I, I rest easy. I rest easier and easier the night before the first race. Every year, I continue being a pro, but like, uh, but still, when every you know, when I still remember clearly driving to the race and you know having the hair in the back of my neck stand up, just wondering how I how I stand to the rest of the guys, you know, the rest of the field, because everyone's working so hard all winter to try to to try to be you know to try to be better than they were the last year. And, uh, uh-huh. and that first race is kind of really what tells you like how successful you were with your, with your training. And, um, 
and I obviously it's not the end all be all, but but it helps it helps get make a good a good platform for where to, where you are and kind of your perception of how successful you were over the winter and um and and I I just I'm like I said I'm I'm coming back from that race just feeling super excited because uh, I think we raced so well and uh, so, so smoothly and uh, as a team we communicated reasonably well I think there was some miscommunication but we had the power to be able to correct that stuff and and uh, my teammate Connor ended up lapping the field uh, and the confusion was that he lapped the field with nine other guys and uh, and I didn't think that that was a really um, those were those were terrible odds in my, in my opinion but um, there was some of the strongest guys in the race lapping and it would have taken every one of our riders to chase it down and we would have been then left with you know with really no one after that to sort of go after the win if uh if we chased it down and so i was saying we should sort of chase and management was saying no don't chase and uh and i'm happy that they said that because um because i didn't you know i wasn't sure that i I wasn't really confident that we were going to be able to come through if we if we were to and then connor lapped the field and i think we let it out from like 30 minutes to go and uh Woo. Yeah, it was it was insane. I don't I don't really know how we did it. I, I I mean we weren't killing it. We weren't going really fast until the end of the race, but um just to know that the 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 guys have the base in their legs to be able to ride in the front in the wind for that long and um was was pretty awesome. And then Connor ended up uh winning the race by a bike throw and um and only one of our guys crashed and and uh, you know, so it was a successful, it was a great way to end the weekend. We all, we all after that bought a bunch of, uh, gourmet pizza and then, <laughs> and then went home and, and, uh, made dick jokes, you know, you know, like what any other reasonable team, of you know, fraternity, you know, would go and do. <clears throat> it wouldn't be cycling if there weren't dick jokes. We all know this. Yeah. But um, like, Dicks are you always know, funny. Are, I feel like even the women's team, Clara. I feel like there's dick jokes in the women's team too. Um, no. <laughs> but, come on, humor us. <laughs> yeah, we, we we talk about our our penises all the time. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sorry to make that uncomfortable, but sorry, I should continue. I'm totally comfortable, by the way. Okay, nervous. Oh, I, didn't care. I was, by the way, Claire, for the record, I was reading up on your LinkedIn page, but I couldn't remember my LinkedIn password, so I couldn't get the full bio. So I do, I did, you did go to Lee's McRae, right? I, I should probably spend more time on LinkedIn than if people yeah, are reading Lee's it. McCray, <laughs> Northern, Northern Arizona University. I like, I'm, my girlfriend's melting stalker in the background. Oh, no, that's, I, what, I, that's I, what the internet's for. How do you think I met Clara? Uh, well, then, I'll, yeah, stalker. Um, as it pertains to my experience being an athlete in college, like uh, being a pro cyclist was a pipe dream for me before it became a reality. You know, like I was never a hot tubes kid. I was never a mm-hmm. a, a Garmin baby. Like, you know, like I'm. You know, I just I wasn't. I wasn't that I wasn't racing when I was a junior and I never got on that pipeline. Like my idea of a training ride when I was 17 was 
set a seven mile ride twice a week. You know, like you didn't come from a cycling family. No, I, I got into mountain bike racing because I was hanging out with my second cousin's godfather. Yeah. And like, like, and he, and he was babysitting us and we went and he, we went to a mountain bike race and, uh, I, he just lent, he just dropped the saddle on his bike and let me race the, the kids race. And I got second and I was a very pissed off that I got second place that, you know, that some dick would beat me. And then B, I like, I just thought it was really cool to get some, just some like sort of, uh, you know, distinct you know notoriety or whatever for being uh for being able to do something on my own yeah and uh and it just i think it became more than that later on for me cycling was it was more mountain biking by the way this wasn't road biking Mm -hmm. it was just like the crowd of people i was hanging out with and you know i didn't really fit in with the skateboarder kids and in my town there was really just the skateboarders and then everyone else and uh, we were the bikers who dared ride the skate park on our mountain bikes. Uh-oh. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, Pretty sure that's some 80s movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it was definitely. I mean, I got in fights in high in middle school. Oh, what was this middle school? Yeah, I think it was might have been high school or something. Literally, like, fist fights because kids were, like, pissed that we were riding mountain bikes over there. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, – but, you know, joke's on them now because they all are, like, losers. And, uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> – so except that one kid Tony Hawk. I don't know whatever happened to him, but whatever. Yeah, no, no, no. he was probably week. skateboarding with uh, Isaac. Our, our skateboard park had like you know one foot high like tabletops. They weren't. This wasn't like real skateboarding. But uh, anyways, <laughs> so I don't even know where we're going here. Oh, hold on, back to college. Yeah. So uh, now let's just talk about skateboarders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's just talk about some hate. Let's go on. Uh, yeah. So I didn't like I. You know, like I started, it wasn't really until I got into college and it was, it was really by chance that I ended up ending up at the University of Vermont and like, and being with, uh, the group of people that I found and, and, uh, and I just like came into a community of people who really, you know, uh, really fostered my talent and my enthusiasm for cycling and, uh, and it just became like, cool to me to to want to be a bike racer and and then i learned about training and i learned about uh and when it's and when you're hanging out with people when it's cool to train you end up training a crap load and uh and and then by the time i was a senior i was like i thought oh i had this everyone was around me thought i was in a, a delusion to want to be a pro to, to think that i could be a pro but mm-hmm. i had it and uh and i i tricked someone to letting me race for him. I tricked, you know, Pat Rains and, and Pat Rains and Jamie Bennett, the owners of Mountain Khakis, to uh to give me a chance to really to be on their uh their 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 Mountain Khaki well I guess at the time it was Time Factory Pro and uh it was a development team and they I, I said the right I said the right stuff, I guess, and they gave me the opportunity to ride for him. And I, I don't think I can ever I can ever really uh Pre, or, you know, repay them for that, you know, because they, they, they sort of really changed my life with that. And uh, and then I, I learned how to train and I learned how to be a pro after that. But Was there the, any, any point in your career as you were developing when you thought you had to make the, the distinction between being a crit rider and a stage racer? 
oh, this is the this is the never ending thing for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is, is that it's just not. Uh, it's not like a really. I mean, let's be honest. It's not crit racing. Isn't really a respected profession in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I and know. Like, it's like a. It's like a necessary evil to like sustain stage racing. It's just. It's so bullshit. Because if we didn't have crit racing in the U.S., there wouldn't be any of the road races. But it's to me, quite honestly, it's like. It's. A, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but it's like Dieter Drake with the Battenkill, Battenkill Roubaix. So Battenkill is this road race in New York, upstate New York, that started as a UCI dirt, incredible one day. It's like the queen of races in the U.S. Mm-hmm. It starts as a one-day road race for pros, and then it becomes extremely successful. And now it's the biggest race in America. But but to but in Dieter's eyes, the race. The, 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 the men's pro race is the most demanding, least return thing for him because he's got like five cat five races. People are paying just as much, getting no return. And, and now, and so he says, ah, whatever, I'm going to get rid of the pro race and just have amateur races now because it's the amateur riders are paying for everything and screw the pros because they're assholes. Well, in the, the crit racing scene is just like that. I feel like other teams don't, really understand exactly how important the crit racing is and so they just go to all the road races and they don't ever want to put anything back into the crits and they just go to they just and they think that that the only thing that they need from it is to go to these to go to the tour of california's and the tour of utah and they don't ever think that or appreciate or understand the value or the reason that all those things are there in the u.s is because of all the crits so, so <laughs> I, I guess, bless you, uh, <laughs> I, I guess this kind of leads me into, a, well, how do you think we can improve that? Do you think, because when I look at crit racing, it's way more TV friendly than road racing. I mean, road racing is you've got to have a helicopter or something follow. Crit racing, you can have a couple stationary cameras and just an announcer go. Um, do you, so do you think that like USA Cycling and, all these individual teams should be trying to get local coverage on the TV or trying to be getting uh, NBC Sports to pick up crit racing as opposed I mean, to like... Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a hard question. Um, that's a hard question to answer. I want to uh, also in this simultaneously try to, try to respond directly to what Clara was asking me before, which I remember I didn't really exactly answer. But uh, the... So, it's I don't know, man. I think that um, it's it's hard. It's hard with the current state of of cycling. Like there just there isn't a large enough I think um, viewership to really warrant the invest like a really huge large scale investment in the type of infrastructure it would take to really do the broadcast well. But uh-huh. um, but I think that. I mean, I think there are things they can do that would that would change that, and um, and it sucks because like most of them, I think re- revolve around unhealthy things like gambling and drinking. You know, honestly, like I think that. But but how much? I mean, how much of other American sports revolve around those things? Like like a lot of stuff. You know, we have horse racing, we have football, like NASCAR. I, I don't think that you can Budweiser and NASCAR are like the same thing to me. So, you know, so, so if you, so you, I feel like you have to intricate, like alcohol or 
something else to help make it be attractive to people who otherwise don't have much interest in it. Cause, cause cycling is like, especially at the level that, you know, that we all do it at is like really inaccessible or unattainable to regular people. And they don't appreciate the sport for what it is exactly. So we have to include them somehow more. And, and unfortunately that means getting them hammered or letting them gamble on us or something. But uh, like, I honestly, I, I don't really exactly. I think gambling on cycling would be sweet. Uh, I, well, there's a gambler's preem. I mean, <laughs> yeah, gambler's preem. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, my, you might as well just gamble on stuff. And there's going to be a gambler's preem. I know. So, but uh, yeah. So, but also to kind of go backwards a little bit on what uh, Clara's question was before, which I didn't re- directly respond to, which. Oh, I, I said. I said. When did you make that distinction? Yeah, that you wanted to focus on like, and it's it's this, it's a question that I'm always battling with because um, because though I, like I've I've just I, like when I was developing as a cyclist, like everyone was always working on their weaknesses, and I felt like why would I ever? I would just try to avoid it. I would just work on what I'm good at, so that I get really good at something. So that I'm really good at something, so that I can be, dis, you know, distinguished for at least one thing, and uh, and that's where that's how I got into crit racing. That's how I got into uh, crit team, and then and then I became good at crit racing there, and and then I figured, well, when I'm a pro, now I can start working on my weaknesses. But unfortunately, like I only had access to races that kind of suited my strengths, and uh, it's been something that has been sort of plagued me, I think, in terms of what I want to get from the sport in terms of accomplishment. Like, uh, it's not that I, 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 I like crit racing more than I like road racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, again, it's not, it's not necessarily, be- I didn't realize, it's not, it's not because there's anything really bad about road racing. It's just that I'm better at crit racing. So I get more, uh, I feel better about it, my racing. And so, um, it was never actually a conscious decision. It just sort of happened. And, uh, and I'd like to, I still try to get into road racing, but, um, last year with Mount Kagis, uh, I was given the opportunity to really focus on road racing. But the problem was, is that we were still largely a crit team. And so I was training for road races all last year, but I wasn't racing them. And then when I went to races that, I needed to do well at, which were only like, I I think I still only think I did three or four road races last year. I I don't, I definitely didn't have what it took. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I think I can count, I can, I can count all the road races I've ever done on two hands. And so, um, it's really hard to be successful in an area or to try to change as an athlete or, or develop in other areas if you're never actually doing it. And so, uh, and so it, Oh, yeah, it never. It wasn't a decision. It just sort of happened. I think it's one of those things. At least what I struggled with when I was racing was I was better at criteriums, but still thought that I wasn't a real racer if I was doing that. And I like forced myself to try to be a better climber, but it, it, I couldn't. You know, it's one of those things where I couldn't be okay with it. Like I have to be good at stage races too. So, and and. 
that's just my own my own issue my own no, issues no, I, but it's like this I thing in the back of your that. mind like i i want to do like stage races i want to go to the zero sort of thing but yeah i want to prove to myself that i can beat people outside of that area mm-hmm. you know like thing is is that when i go to the line uh in a crit against like uh you know Jameis, like Amaron or something like that mm-hmm. like uh i i think i'm going to beat this guy and he's like so strong you know, he's like, he's incredible. You know, he's an incredible athlete, but I know I'm faster than him for 200 meters and he can't drop me when I'm on his wheel, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, and to me, that's like, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's one thing I'm really good at crits. But I'll tell you when I, when I go to a road race with him, like I stand against him on a, a start line of a, a road race or when I see him lining up for a time trial, it's just game over. I, I know, I know there's no chance I'm going to beat him because he's just, so good. And so me wanting to work on road racing and me wanting to get better at road racing is to be able to think that I can compete with them at that level in something in another discipline. So I completely appreciate what what you're saying in terms of like sort of trying to substantiate your value as an athlete in multi-discipline, multiple yeah. disciplines. So uh but yeah, it's just really it's really hard to be good at stuff when you don't do it. Like the winter time, like I, I, I come into team camp every year going uphill really well, like, because all winter I'm doing, you know, a lot of threshold intervals and things and going uphill a lot and I can climb well, but it's like something happens. Like the moment you put me on the start line of a crit, everything I did all winter goes away. (laughs) All I can do is, all I can do is sit in on sit in on a crit and uh, sprint at the end of it. <laughs> like, I, so. Well, so, so oh, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, no, well, I wanted to ask you both, because you're both crit racers, and I well, have no I'm idea. Not even, well, okay, well, former. <laughs> for, former, you know, whatever. Let's make that distinction. Yeah. Uh, how do you, because racing crits is a very specific thing. I mean, it's very high intensity, and you need endurance. How do you specifically train for that as opposed to the road, where it's a lot more base miles, a lot longer? <coughs> uh, for me, I, I train just like I'm going to do road races. Like, uh, I, I don't need to do any training to be a sprinter right now. Like, I can just, in the wintertime, get on a bike and bust out a great sprint. It's So that's just something I, I'm fortunate enough to be born with but the problem the thing that i'm not born with is that is that endurance and that threshold power and so all i do is work on that and and uh but the problem is is like like last year is a great example if you're if you're actually to scroll through kind of or look through like from my perspective thinking about my my past years and my career is like uh last year was like i i to be a good road racer you have to have that incredible threshold power and so last year i worked really hard on that throughout the whole season the problem is is that working on threshold power like leaves you drained and, and tired and you don't and you don't have that that snap that freshness that you need to be good at sprinting and i think that last year my sprint really suffered from that but uh that's because i was trying to work on being a road racer but last year or the previous years 2 years ago and so on uh where i was really training specifically for criteriums um i did all that really uh that really uh that threshold specific training in the off season. And then when the season started, I was able to spend a lot less time doing huge miles and, 
in pretty hard training so that less time doing that during the year so that I could be fresher and still have that snap that I needed to be uh, competitive in the crits. And so uh, for, for, for me, like, and so for this year, when our emphasis is primarily on criteriums, it's like it's, it's doing all that super, int- super long, hard miles in the wintertime. And, and it, you kind of go through the whole season consistently losing some fitness, but it's in the fo- with the focus of being fresh. Because you have to have really fresh legs to be able to have that that snap that you need to be uh, to be able to you know put out the huge watts to be able to win a sprint at the end of a crit. So I'm going to say that your focus is on uh, USA Crit Series. Um, it's at the risk of not disrespecting USA Crit Series. I want to say. <laughs> Okay. Well, then, what, what then? What is your your goals for the season? It's like yeah, the USA Crit Series and Ashley and uh, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but uh, they Gene? they run a great Gene. Yeah, Gene Dixon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they run a great thing there, and I love those guys. Uh, so I would love to race to win that series. Um, to, I know that the team has an has a focus on wanting to be successful as a team, but we don't exactly know. Uh, where we're going to go with how things are going to shape up for us, like in terms of uh, our calendar entirely yet. Like, um, so to say that my goal is to go after that series, I don't think is really fair because, um, because it might end up being NCC or, you know, if we go over and we do well at this race in Singapore, we might have the opportunity to keep racing races in, in Asia and, um, and so I, I don't exactly know. Mm-hmm. And I'm super psyched about it because, um, A, the Vegas, the Vegas race isn't happening anymore. And that Vegas race sucks. <laughs> so nothing against the actual race. It just sucks because it's too convenient that it goes on during interbike. And us athletes have to go to interbike and stand around at interbike for like 10 hours every day mm-hmm. and then go do this race. And, uh, and that totally sucks. So I'm happy that Vegas isn't happening anymore, so I don't have to go to Interbike. Um, it's maybe I'll end up being there anyways, but uh, but it won't be for racing. And so, but it's this it's year, a different kind of endurance, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's like also the cigarette smoke and trying not to gamble. Like, there's just too many pressures going on when you're on in Vegas. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy that we don't have to go back there. But um, this year, it's actually at uh, the finals are going to be in St. Louis at the Gateway Cup in the. The big shark, the big shark cycling uh, bike shop or something like that is the guys that promote that. Michael Weiss, I think is his name, and uh, or Mike. It's it's man, those guys are great. I love that. The Gateway Cup is like the coolest series, and um, I've been I've been hoping that they were going to turn into an NCC thing for a while. I won I won that series two two years ago, I think maybe three years ago, and then I got second the next year, and it was like. Ah, oh, God, I love that thing. It's so much fun. It's great that this year it's going to be NCC. And I, and also, I, well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. No, I think that's the finals. I think the finals are there. So uh, it's going to be great. So, but, so that's awesome. And, well, since we're talking all about bike racing, you're, you're, like we said before, you're more of a bike racer. There's, there's more to you. You went to college for biology, correct? I studied biochem in college. Yeah, I got a biochem. biochem yeah. Hey, so. Uh, so I'm in grad school for bio, biology. I think I told you before. Clara actually went to school for biology too. So you've got three bio nerds all up in here. <laughs> Except I went to Elise yeah. McRae. 
Yeah, well, also, Clara's, Clara's photo on her Skype is of her walking with a Bontrager guy, and yours is you wearing a lab coat and glasses. So, <laughs> like, let's, let's figure a nerd here. Uh, okay. Oh, me by far. No. I think so. so. But Clara likes My Little Pony, so that makes what? sense. Yeah. What? Was I not supposed to tell people that? <coughs> That's cool. I uh, do, too. Thank you. Oh, there's still bronies here. That's so cool. Oh, um, anyway, uh, shut up, Kyle. <laughs> Someday you'll understand. But anyway. maybe, maybe, maybe I'll watch it. I'm only I'm thirty. Gonna... <laughs> I have no idea what My Little Pony is. I was just saying that to be nice. Oh, thank oh. you. <laughs> He's so sweet. He's much nicer than I am. All oh. those biochem guys. Yeah, they are gentlemen, not like the the regular guys. They're jerks. So, yeah, well, we have a lot of time to think about how to talk to people when we're sitting by ourselves. So, <laughs> <laughs> so getting back to what I was saying, are is uh is med school still on the table for you after bike racing, or what? What are your plans with that? Because last I talked to you, you were talking about doing the MCATs and applying to med school and yada yada and doing the whole thing. Yeah, you, you sound like my parents. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's a it's a complex question, and honestly, like, <coughs> um, <coughs> I've already done the MCAT, and uh, and and I've I've spent I've committed con- several off seasons of my pro cycling career to to preparing for the MCAT, and I've had convenient excuses to either well. Not to preemptively bring one up, but destroying my collarbone was one of them. Mm. Uh, to avoid to avoid uh, taking the MCAT again because I didn't do as well as I wanted to do, um, and uh, and so I've been preparing for it. But as the years have gone on in cycling, I've realized that that my expectations for what I need to do to be representative that I think are going to represent my competency. I'm just never going to be able to do it while I'm trying to be 100% as an athlete. And so, um, and that was a hard, that was a bitter pill to swallow because um, it, to me, it feels like I'm giving up. But there's, there's really never been, um, until, I, until I started my bike case company, there's really never been anything else I wanted in uh, my life uh, other than being a pro cyclist and being a surgeon. And so it's like, it's been so clear to me that um that I want to be a doctor and 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 to to be putting this stuff on hold until I'm out of until I'm kind of until being a cyclist to sort of run its course uh is it makes me really nervous and makes me kind of think that I'm giving up but uh I'd like to say that I don't think that's true because I know I'm going to need to make money when I'm not racing bikes especially because I'm not making money racing bikes so I <laughs> I'm gonna Wait, have there's to not millions money. and millions of dollars in bike racing. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to like somehow uh, pay off college and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, so I'd like to think that that's gonna happen, but um, but I'm also being realistic with myself in like in in well, not realistic. I mean, it's not it's it's really going to happen if I wanted to, but I'm trying to you know explore explore other options as well because um because med school is a huge commitment and i it's it's not um 
it it doesn't necessarily mean that's not just, just because that's been the only thing I've been look you know s- telling people that's what I wanted to do or just because that's uh, what I've been um, kind of pursuing my entire life doesn't necessarily mean that that's the only thing that's going to make me happy and uh, and so I'm just trying to make sure that it is by by looking into other things that I that I feel like I can commit to a little bit while being a cyclist um, and not have it d- detract from my uh, you know, my ability to pick back up on, on, on the medical track once cycling's over. And, um, and that's, and that's largely where, why this, why this, you know, Oro case, the bike case company really is kind of starting is, is because You're of so much better at segues than Clara and I, <laughs> well, for yourself. I, I, yeah, I'm terrible. I was thinking like, how am I going to fit Oro case into this? <laughs> you yep. did it for me. Uh, Thanks buddy. No, well, yeah, it's, it's just that, I like, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I never really appreciated things that I'm good at. Like I never, I've always, like I said, I've been so clear with like what I wanted in my life that I never really gave much room for appreciating the things that I'm actually good at. I just sort of forced the things, uh, that I wanted on me. And, uh, and, and that means like, you know, I want to be a doctor. So I'm going to study biochemistry because yeah, everyone says you can study anything you want in undergraduate, but you got to study a hard science to actually know what's going on in medical school. So I'm going to study that. Realistically, I'm not very good at biochemistry. So like, so that wasn't the smartest move for me. But, uh, but I did it because that's what I wanted to be a doctor. And, uh, and, and like, but now I'm like thinking, I'm realizing that I have like, I don't know, I have skills at making stuff. And I'm just like, I feel like I'm, I'm not intimidated by, by making, like, by just saying like, fuck it, I'm going to make this, you know, like, you know, yeah, someone, you know, I, someone just go and buy it, but I'm going to make it because, uh, I can do it better than them. And, um, and that's what kind of how Oro case started was like, uh, my, my buddy and I, his name is Colin Jaskowitz. Um, we're just like really pissed off at paying bike fees because we didn't have any money, mm-hmm. and uh, and thought that everyone did it crappy. Like, no bike case is actually good. And uh, and so, I mean, everyone has something that's good, but none of them are perfect. And uh, and, uh, and then, like, I, it really started because I didn't have enough money in my bank account to pay for a bike fee. And I was going to a bike race, and I was like, I have to make a bike case. It's like, because... A cardboard box is like a dead giveaway. Like mm-hmm. you can't carry a cardboard box into no matter how small you cut it down, you can't carry a cardboard box into the airport because they're not like cuz these TSA or these airport officials are like are freaking like hawks. They can see that from a mile away. And so I was like, I'm making a bike case that looks like a suitcase. And uh, <laughs> and, and I did it and it worked for 5 years. It like for five or not five years, excuse me. Well, no, five years now. Five years has been. So, uh, and like, and then, and then it just started kind of, you know, like rolling over and like kind of changed. Or someone would, and people started saying like that thing ugly. You know, like that thing's really ugly. Like you, you know, <laughs> uh, I was telling people that my mom made it for a while. Like, so that I didn't, like, because I was a little embarrassed about the fact that like I got behind a sewing machine and like made this thing but then uh but then i realized that like it's 
it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely like emasculating a little bit to think about that kind of stuff. But, but, but nobody else can do that. I don't know a single other person that can do that stuff. So now I'm trying to embrace it and I'm proud of it. That's pretty cool that you can sew. Well, hold on, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) We don't call it sewing here. We call it tactical binding. (laughs) Hey, whatever makes you feel better. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, we have a phrase Clara says to me every other day. (laughs) We, we have, we have, we had a, a, like a Kent, we started off a while back. We had like, we went to the recycling place and I bought a, a sewing machine for 20 bucks and we put camouflage duct tape on the outside of it. So it felt like more manly, <laughs> but we're, we're a little bit bigger now than that, but, uh, but we're still making these things and, uh, and it's, it's like, it's a low budget and what we're, we're, we're current, we're constantly like, we're improving on each thing that we make in the previous generation of cases and uh but i haven't heard of actually never mind i've one heard one person has paid a bike uh, a full a full charge bike fee but um but nobody else has because like maybe maybe i'm like a good at coaching people on how to lie to tsa people but um but the, the like it's just great and I, i'm like really happy because it's like using it's using something that i just know how to do well and uh and and so it's it's kind of making me interested in thinking about maybe other career paths outside of medicine um or but it's also making me think about how can I use these skills that I you know in u- clearly utilizing in my bike case company to help me be a better more successful doctor and so I'm like super happy to have this bike case stuff right now because cuz with just bike with just bike racing it's like, it's mind numbing, you know, it's like your brain just rots riding your bike. Like, as we mentioned before, dick jokes are hilarious, but if the only thing that you have in your life is dick jokes, you're a loser. <laughs> you're a total loser. And so you have to have oh. something else. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, you guys are all like professionals, you know, but like you're real. You, <laughs> you go on the weekends to go to bike races to get relief from your like real jobs. But when the substance in the majority of your life is just dick jokes and riding in vans, it's like you're, you're that was a very clear line between being a loser and like not being a loser at that point. And you're well into the loser line. <laughs> so, so having this other stuff like is really, uh, um, in, in kind of coming to the acceptance that I can't, that I can't pursue. Um, I can't commit myself enough to medicine right now to really go after that to be able to have something else, um, to keep myself in, engaged and keep myself continually building my resume outside of exactly just my athletics. Um, it's really great. Um, I just, I just hope that, uh, my, my bank account doesn't, you know, I, hopefully this is actually successful. You know, I'd like, I'd like for the company to be successful, um, to, to some degree, uh, and not just because I need money, but also because I think that like, because it, it would be a failure on mine if I couldn't really represent how valuable what I offered other people is. Because like everyone's flying with bicycles, and if everyone in the country doesn't have one of my bike cases, then I did something wrong. Because my bike cases are the best thing out there, and everyone needs one in order to like not break their bike and also uh, save themselves money. And and so I, I'm just I have. Uh, in between traveling to races 
I, I don't have that much time to be able to, to be able to, you know, create that image and create that brand identity. Uh, but it's so much fun working on this and, and trying to do that. Oh, now, where can we get the uh, airport ninja, by the way, if someone's flying with their bikes and, you know, doesn't want to pay fees or, you know, needs yeah, something so, to protect their bike? Yeah, the airport ninja is the, yeah, so the airport ninja is the case. So, um, but the, the, the company is called Oro Case because our, our first, because some of the big problems that we've had with bike cases, like, are that they're super bulky, you know, and they take up so much space. And, uh, and we wanted to create something that, was like minimalistic that would really like the, the real world problem is every year flying to collegiate nationals, our team could only afford to rent a minivan, but we would have six people in it we'd, and we'd have six bikes and everyone would have a toolie case. And what the hell do you do with six people and six bikes and all toolie cases in one minivan? Well, you're screwed. That's what it is. And so, so like we wanted to make something that would, that you could pack, you could t- once you took the bikes out of them, you know, you could put the bikes on a bike rack and the bike cases would be super small and they'd, lo- and they'd fold up. And, uh, and we've also found out that they double up really well as pat- camping pads. People will Ooh. sleep on them if they don't have actually have, have beds. But um, <laughs> so that's another benefit is that you don't need to have an, a hotel room. You can actually just sleep in your case. <laughs> no, but... Um, but not in your car if you're in Florida, for those of us yeah. that have listened to the other podcasts. Clara Clara did that on accident once. Oh, yeah. Oh, they, I got them. Yeah, bit by mosquitoes because I left the doors open. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad. You don't have screens on your windows in your car? Well, we were <laughs> – I was at a collegiate race as well, and so we rented a van or, yeah, kind of uh, one of those little, like, what are they called? Like the the conversion vans, the creeper vans. Oh, a candy van. Yeah, free candy van. <laughs> and <laughs> you know what I mean. And so yeah, we, we were just at a mountain bike race in Florida, and I was very naive to how Florida works at that point. And I was so hot, and we were all sleeping like in different little pews in the van, and. We left the doors open because we were idiots in 19. And I I counted my mosquito bites the next morning. I had 90 mosquito bites on me. Like, Florida sucks. <laughs> but then again, you know, don't sleep outside without any protection, I suppose. Well, okay. Well, let me just think about the next generation of uh, Oro Case. And maybe I'll try to put like a, a mosquito net in there or something like that. I think like that would be very handy. <laughs> it's just, yeah, but it's it's all about just like taking real problems like you – just mentioned mm-hmm. that I've had with traveling with bikes and trying to fix that, you know, and it all started about when we were back in college and we had that real problem about the bulkiness of bike cases. And we wanted to make a way to make a safe case that would be just as safe as a toolie case, but would take up the, that wouldn't take up the space of it. And, and it all just kind of went from there. And, uh, and, and we developed every single generation of the case to just improve on it and take the benefits, the perks of one thing and uh, of one bag and add them to ours with none of the downsides. And, uh, and it, the mosquito net hasn't actually been an issue that I've come up with that I've, that I've run into yet, but, but I'll, but I'll think about that for the next one. I, I think that 
Uh, we're trying to make them maybe improve on the weight side of it a little bit. So maybe using mesh would be better. If you can turn it into a tent. Yeah. A tent. Yeah. A pop-up tent. But seriously, I have, like, I don't know why I can do this. I'm telling you, I'm really good at it. I'm like, I have this a million ideas going on in my head right now that I'll just think a throw-out pop-up bike case tent. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. Market for it. There's about, there's about 100 people in the U.S. that would buy that. There's the, <laughs> that, that would be the camping ninja. The camping ninja, exactly. But, <clears throat> so... Uh, yeah, it's, it's been super fun, you know, like, uh, it's consuming. Cause I think that honestly for us, like we, we're, we, we're getting more business. Like we're, we're, we have like, you know, people buying these things, but, uh, the majority of my time is actually just making these cases. And I, and I, and I don't think that that's the, the best thing that I can do. Cause I have like, I have about 10 other things that I want to make. Um, I can't talk about them because, I know that there's other people that aren't making airport ninjas all the time that would just make them if I did. But, uh, but we, we, I want to make these things. I want to work on some other products for our company. But, uh, but when we're just sitting behind a machine, like plugging out these, these cases all the time, it's really hard to capitalize on that creative, like, you know, that, that creative component of the company. And so we're, uh, we're working on setting up a, a Kickstarter right now. Um, and we're, I'm hoping that we're going to have it out next month, uh, beginning of April, where we can start raising, getting some pre-orders for our cases so that we can just get a big order up. And then we can have some people, some other people make these cases for us um, in one lump sum so that just so that I can start working on other stuff. Because, uh, like I said, cause we just have so many things that other bike racers need. They, like they need to make their lives easier mm-hmm. uh, that I can't make until I stop having to make bike cases. And, uh, and I've already done the creative design and the, the, the research that I need to do to feel like I'm making a great product uh, with my bike cases, but I need to have the time to be able to start making other things. And, um, and uh, champion systems has me traveling so much, you know, like I'm only home for five days, six, six days. So, uh, so I don't have uh, you know that much time to really be making other things other than bike cases. So, well, I just remember when I was racing, the biggest, I guess, frustration was airports and bike cases and lugging it around and and things like that. Like I remember people told me, just tell the people it's fitness equipment and they won't charge you, and I could never do it and get away with it. It's it's fitness equipment. No, it's not. It's a bike. Uh, okay. <laughs> have you, have yeah. you heard Jonathan Vauders what he does at the airport? No, I don't know. You know. No. He he says it's hang gliding equipment. <laughs> well, it's pretty ridiculous, honestly, because like golfers, like a or a snowboard or a surfboard, all these things are like grossly oversized, mm-hmm. and like, but they support. They have such a bigger component and support the airline industry that like. They don't actually give them a hard time about it. I maybe uh, not supporters because surfers are freaking losers. But uh, <laughs> but uh, no, but seriously, the man that comes from a golfers, frozen tundra. <laughs> yeah. Golfers though, like golfing is like such a huge part of you know the airline industry and like the PGA and stuff like that. So yeah. these guys with these super heavy oversized things, like you know, get through fine. But my like you know, but you you still have there is definitely a degree of deception still with this stuff because the definition of 
of uh, what explains a bike fee uh, isn't unanimously understood between all airline officials. Like, like, uh, <clears throat> like sometimes it's just oversize. You know, like if a bike, if you, I have some cases for um, for people who have like I believe it's an under under a fifty two centimeter bike. Like I can make a bike case for them that's under sixty two inches, which is the max limit for a uh, you know oversized luggage. Well, you bring that case in there. And like, they might be like, okay, cool. It's fine. It's under, you know, it's not big. It's small. It's whatever. It's fine. Just check it. But then you, the same token, like maybe that official is going to be like, well, it actually doesn't matter. It's uh, it's, it's, it's not the size. That's the issue. It's that it's a bicycle. It doesn't matter. It's a bicycle. So we charge a bike fee, you know, like I, I'd never run into that problem. I haven't heard of it, but, um, I, I've met some really ignorant, you know, air, like <clears throat> checking, uh, what's it like airline officials, so I can imagine that that sort of stuff happened. It could happen. And uh, <clears throat> so I, I understand what you're saying. I think the best thing to do in that situation is just have a, a sticker on your case that says it for you so that you don't actually have to say anything. You mm-hmm. just go up there and you have a giant thing that says rehab equipment. Yeah. Giant. And then and when they say, what's in the case? You say, can you read? <laughs> <laughs> And, and I'm rehabbing. Like, best thing to do to answer the question with another question, you know, and then uh, you have to lie. You know, that's not lying. But that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, Claire. I'm here to help solve your problems. Thank you. Because so. I was just always so, it's just very intimidating going up with a huge piece of logic, luggage that looks like a bike, you know, that with the, I had a soft case. And um, so there's a slant or a little dip in it, which makes it look obviously like a bike. Yeah, and um, so I just was terrified, and of course I was very young, so I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I thought they were gonna actually look inside the case if I yeah, said you, fitness you equipment. I get what you're saying. <laughs> and so, oh, uh, it's a bike. Oh, that'll be one hundred and twenty dollars. You didn't get into much trouble as you're a New York kid, did you? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an only child, so I wasn't allowed to get into trouble. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, there we go. That's coming out. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, my my honestly, the only thing I hear when people when people look at my cases and find out there's a bike in there, say, "Are you serious? You can fit a bike in that?" Mm-hmm. That's what they say. And so, uh, you know, like it doesn't help being like really really skinny and then having everything I own be like some sort of athletic thing, like walking into the airport wearing like Mojo compression socks or something like that, and like a Under Armour shirt, and then they're just like. You are you're clearly out of place here. You are a bicyclist. Like I don't know what bike racing is, but you look like an asshole. So you're probably a bike. <laughs> and and then, like I don't think that's a bike because it's so small, but it probably is because you're an asshole. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 definitely it's hard. You know, being an airport ninja is a tough thing. And uh, it's it quite aggressive. It's a constant challenge. Cool. Well, Isaac, um, I wanted to thank you so much for being on here. We said we'd keep you about an hour, and I think we're running way over that. So I didn't want to keep you from Megan all night. By the way, everyone, say hi to Megan. Wave. She's she's not on the podcast, but she's listening in quite intently and probably giving me the finger right now. Um, maybe. I don't know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that or so. we put her to death. One or the other. Yeah. Isaac, if someone wants to find you on Twitter, where would they find you at? So it's 
we are all well, my personal uh, Twitter profile is Isaac I S A A C How H O W E. So Isaac How, uh, and you can find Oru Case at Pay New. Excuse me, <clears throat> Pay No Bike Fees. That's that's our Twitter handle. Is pay No Bike Fees. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. Uh, yeah, that's so awesome. I'm, I'm we have like you. six Twitter followers. I've been we've been like we when we make a public uh you know when we first started making our push on social media we were overwhelmed very quickly uh with bike order case orders and uh and that's kind of a whole thing i'm actually a little apprehensive of of like getting like i got like 25 orders one week and i was leaving the next week and i don't even want to talk about the time it takes to make one of those but this just wasn't possible so i had to take down our website take down all the stuff so um, we're we're in the process of building a little bit bigger infrastructure, but yeah, you can find us um, there or on Facebook at uh, Oru Case is our page, and uh, we have a website that's kind of in the process of being made. It's up, li- it's online right now. It's OruCase. I'm looking at it right now. It's a great website. It's all right. I'm not. See, this is the great thing. I have to wear so many hats. I'm the CEO. I'm the chief engineer. I'm the 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 sweatshop manager i do everything here you know yeah. I, and oral case is spelled o r u c a s e right yeah okay just making sure everyone knows out there who's writing it down right now <laughs> yeah no it's just it's fun we're we're having a great time uh i definitely um i definitely I'm really appreciative of you guys giving me the opportunity to be on your podcast. It's been fun. I mean, I'll talk to you guys all night long. I don't really have anything to do other than, hey. you know, my girlfriend's giving me grief, but. Well, I can, I can sign off and we just talk with your girlfriend for the rest of the night. I don't have anything to do. <laughs> Wait, she just gave me the finger. That was, uh, that's, got the finger. I think that's a no. Okay. Sorry. sorry. So I'm only home for a week. So it's, uh, I definitely, it's, it's, is there still, we just got like three feet of snow last week or last, excuse me, yeah, mid, mid last week. So, um, so I can't, I can't actually hang around here too long, unfortunately. So, uh, so that's I, what I was going to ask before parting question. Um, uh, how do you train when you're at home? Do you hop on the mountain bike? Are you a rollers warrior? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, um, I think that what I can't make up for in volume, I make up for intensity. So I, um, I can't, I just can't physically do the hours. Like I went from, when I go on the road, like I did two 10 day trips, you know, one in December, one in January. And I went from doing a six hour week on the rollers to doing a 26 hour week on the road. And so it just goes from periods of, under training to extreme overtraining, and uh, and it's just kind of like you gotta you gotta just do what you have. What you know, you, like I was running half marathons. Like uh, I would just on I think it was Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. I just like was like screw it, I'm going for a run, and then I went <laughs> and ran two hours. And uh, like it just I don't know, just doing stuff, trying to kind of have I don't know, just do everything I possibly can every day. I have eight hours a day to commit toward my job being a pro cyclist. And I try to, um, though I'm not training on my bike that whole time, I try to spend eight hours a day contributing toward my job. And, uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of the, 
expectation I feel like my team has for me when they sign me. And so uh, I try to give them that commitment. And um, I could not last that long on a roller, but I can, I can kill myself for two hours uh, and, and get eight hours worth of training in two hours. So that's kind of what I have to do. Huh. Speaking of the team, if you want to follow Champ Systems uh, on Twitter, they're C- at CSNoTubes. Yes, we, we need we need more Twitter followers. We, we have right. 185. Now you have 186. Nice. I don't <laughs> understand what we have like 4,000 on Facebook or 3,000 on Facebook or something. But I think it has literally. I really think it has something to do with our Twitter handle. It's a problem. We have mm-hmm. like the cycling teams nowadays. Their names just get longer and longer. So because there's more contributing sponsors that are contributing at an equal level, and we've exceeded the maximum level limit. On, on Twitter for the name. So you can't find us. So we have to have a Twitter handle like that, CS NoTubes. It's like nobody knows can what you that do, means. Can you yeah. do Champ NoTubes? Maybe, or but that would be disrespectful. No. That would be disrespectful. Champ, Champ No. Champion <laughs> Systems is a spectacular sponsor making the best, best cycling clothing on the market. So how could we disrespect them by shortening their name? Can. Uh, well, well while we're, the while dilemma we have, it's, it's really complicated. It's, we just have to accept that we have fewer face Twitter followers because of it. Oh, it is unfortunate. It's a, it's a battle. Oh, social media. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about sponsors, well, what kind of bikes are you guys riding this year? Argon 18. We're on, we're on, uh, these are great bikes. I mean, Argon, like, honestly, I think top of the line bike, no matter who you get it from, is going to be spectacular. I don't think that. But every year when someone asks me about my bike, I'm telling them it's the best thing I've ever ridden. But that's because it's always true. Every year I ride one, a new bike. Um, but the one thing I think that really distinguishes my Argon from any other bike I've ever ridden is the ability to really uh, change the, the, the height of the head tube. Like they have this 3D technology head cap thing that you can raise and lower or change the actual size of the head tube so that you're not just throwing spacers on there. And it's been great for me because in crits, I want to ride a slightly smaller bike, but I'm, uh, but I can't really have the drop and I can't afford to have the, the, the flexiness that you'd have by having tons of spacers. And so by being on the Argon, like I can have it still be stiff. Like I have a tall head tube, but I can ride a slightly smaller bike and it, and it works great for me. So, uh, I'm really, really happy that we're on these bikes this year. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I love the Argon 18 bikes. I, I want one myself, except I'm a poor college student. So I, I, I'm jealous of you. Well, talk. To, I'm sure any one of us at the end of the year, you might you might be able to find find a good deal if, if someone's trying to get rid of their one. I only Ooh. have one bike, though, so I'm not going to be the one you want to talk to. <laughs> You're not giving yours up. I won't and, be uh, giving mine up anytime soon, but I, I, I don't know the uh, current status of all my, all my teammates' uh, bike inventories, so... Um, or how they personally feel about it, but um, but there might be some for sale at the end of the season if you if you play your cards right. Unfortunately, a top end bike like that would be totally wasted on somebody like me. <laughs> oh, come, oh, Kyle! Oh, come on! That's oh. not true. Yes, it is. But anyway, that's um, what he wants me to say. <laughs> oh, oh, Kyle! <laughs> um, I've been saving this the entire podcast and. I wanted, to, I wanted to close out with a final question, I guess, uh, for both of you. Um, this is a segment I like to call 
Clara explains it all. I thought we were done. <laughs> uh-huh. This yeah. is very cheap. <laughs> yep. Very cheap. So, we're not done yet. Clara, uh, I didn't know about Isaac. this. <laughs> this is because, Isaac, for what you, for you don't know this, but I don't tell Clara when I have these. They're just it's little just, random questions. We're both going to answer like. a question that he has in store for us. How do you go about managing tan lines? Now, I ask this because, you know, Clara, I've seen you in a sleeveless jersey, and uh, I, I will not personally, I've seen pictures of you in a sleeveless jersey, and I understand um, that's a no-no. Well, I don't think it is. <laughs> See, it's, it's against the rules. Are there now, rules? There's, there's some rules. How do you feel about this, Isaac? Well, okay, so for me, I think that I try to maintain some degree of, like, normality in my life outside of bike racing because it's, like, such a exclusive thing anyways. I try not to, like, alienate myself from the general population any more than I already do. So uh, so for me, like, like, I don't really prescribe to these, like, uh, what's pro ideologies and things like that. I just, I just, like... Uh, try to look kind of normal. So, uh, and also don't really like define anything. So I have, you know, obviously I have tan lines because I have, you know, tons of championship systems clothing and it all fits the same every time I put it on. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but like I can't, uh, but, but I don't really try to add to the, the disfigurement or the weirdness of my, naked body anymore than it already is. So, uh, <laughs> so I don't know do, if that clearly defined, you know, do you roll up your sleeves? Point, but, Cause Clara, yeah, but I'm not I, really I, a tan lines kind of guy. You yeah. Know, like, well, okay. That's, that's why if it's very hot in the summer, of course, I'm going to wear a sleeveless Jersey, especially because it's much easier to hide my leg tan lines, my, than my arms. And that's why you would wear a sleeveless Jersey. Because I'm, I, people will notice you have arm tan lines and be like, point at you and farmer's tan. Do you drive a it, truck? You know that kind of thing. Kyle, you should also you should also be up on what's you know current bathing suit things because current bathing suit styles because nowadays men's bathing suits are getting shorter. You know, so these these guys' bathing suits now are getting up like mid to high thighs. That's like the new style. So. Uh, you got to be careful about those leg tans too, because you don't want to be going to the beach wearing like the new thing you got from, you know, the I don't know, like Pac Sun or whatever, and looking like a total fool with those giant tan lines. You know, those those board shorts aren't cool anymore. Well, that implies I have tan lines. I have a general milky white complexion throughout my entire body, mostly because I I don't tan, and I spend most of my time in the lab. Yes, both oh. like a, a true a true PhD student. <laughs> <laughs> well, that means that. No, no, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. So I think Kyle wanted to know from you, Isaac, if sleeveless jerseys are cool or not. No, no, I didn't. I I know they're not because I look they're at them cool. and I go. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm training by myself, I can wear a sleeveless jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. No, I'm just <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't have any, <laughs> we have important sponsors on our arms, so I can't. I can't cut those off. So I wouldn't actually know. All right, that's true. 
Well, yeah, this man, this man knows knows who pays the bill. <laughs> IRC, man. We got a good old IRC sponsor. Great Japanese tire company making oh. our tires. So I got to, yeah, it would be extremely disrespectful to them. And I got a feeling I wouldn't get any more tires if I were to cut them off. So, <laughs> are there any? Do we miss any sponsors for your fantastic team, Isaac? We have a million more, but I can't. I, uh, I can't find a. I'm not. A, it's too late. I don't know if I can. Um, the only other one I feel like it's really notable to talk about briefly because it is 11 here is uh is no tube is uh stands no tubes they are one of you know they're our co-title sponsor and um and they've we've had this long kind of debate about the carbon factor the fact that they don't make a road carbon wheel and um and i was a hater i'm i i think i think i might still be kind of a hater a little bit honestly about the fact that it just seems like everyone has one, so you should have one. But I can say that I don't get flat tires when I'm training. And uh, and we won the last race we entered. And I did not notice that my wheels were a factor at all. And though my and I was like hating on management, I was telling them like, you guys just don't know. And like <laughs> you know, like you guys just don't know. And like you're not pro cyclists, so you don't know. And and like uh I, I sort of have to like kind of, you know, bite my tongue a little bit now because I feel like a little bit of a jerk for, for um, even saying anything until I actually raced because they were right. You know, like I got to race my wheels last week on, and you guys know this, especially Claire, like Tucson roads are awful. Mm-hmm. So we, I got to ride like 70 PSI because I had tubeless tires and they were aluminum, but they weren't, they weren't deep carbon, but they were fantastic, and Stans is a, helping us get to these races, and uh, I'm super, I'm super thrilled that um, I was kind of given the opportunity to be proven wrong, because um, you know, because I now I feel pretty like pretty, kind of like a dick for even making nope. a stink about that stuff. But what you but need to do is you need to like pretend that never happened and be like, these are the best things ever. What do you, what do you mean? I've been saying this for yeah, weeks. But- I can't know because every year last year I was coming up to the start line against the champion systems guys and being like, those jokers, they only have carbon wheels, you know, like, <laughs> but it, it's hard and everyone in the top 10 has deep carbon wheels and then you don't. But, but, uh, but I guess in a, in a way, like, you know, those guys are looking at me being like freaking loser on, you know, clincher, you know, clincher wheels. Like you don't even know what you're missing. And so now I'm on them and I think it's pretty awesome. And so, uh, I'm happy to be a part, and like they, they, they're really using us to help develop their brand and their product, and that's I feel awesome. Uh, uh, I appreciate the ability to have like uh, to contribute to a product, kind of developing, and uh, and and hopefully that next year it means that we'll be riding even better stuff. So that's absolutely awesome. Well. Well, thank you again, Isaac, and thank you to your lovely girlfriend for letting us peel you away from her on the precious time she has with you. Uh, we're we're really sorry, but we're really grateful at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's. I think she's asleep now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we don't want to hold you away from her anymore. Um, everyone, if you want to follow us, we are at we are the on Twitter at Broken Spokes Pod. Uh, you can email us at the at Broken Spokes Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Clara, how can we follow you on Twitter? I'm at Fern Coyote. 
because, uh, you know, I live in Arizona. And Kyle, how can we follow yeah. you? You can follow me at, at Captain Antibody. Um, once again, Isaac, how can we follow you on Twitter? <laughs> Isaac Howe. Isaac Howe. And if you want to follow Champion Systems presented by Stan Snowtubes, it's at CS Snowtubes. Also, at Pay No Bike Fees, or, or maybe you don't <laughs> want to follow that because it might crash the system. Um, Orocase is their website, O-R-U-C-A-S-E dot com. Um, thank you so much to everyone that sponsors the team. Uh, thank you to Champion Systems. Thank you to Stan's No Tubes, Argon 18 Bikes. and Thank you yeah, to Isaac. Yeah, thank you, Isaac. We've got a bike race to win on Sunday, so we're, we're still proving ourselves. We've got... We've uh, we've done it once. We've got we've got to do it a bunch more before we can be uh, considered a, a real big threat. So I hope everyone else is is uh, crossing their fingers for us at Delray this weekend. I, I I'm sad I can't come down and see you at Delray, but I'm hoping to come see you at Athens. Well, or my good you- friends from college, Weston Wheeler, will actually be filming it. So I don't actually in video live live feed for the U.S. Crit Series from my friend from UBM. So I can't. I don't actually know the, the the URL for it, but I'm sure uh, it'll be made public, pretty made you know pretty clearly. You know, uh, excuse me, advertised pretty clearly before the race. Cool, awesome. Um, I will make sure to get that out on Twitter. Uh, yeah, I, unfortunately, I don't think this podcast is going to be out before the Delray Crit, but <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. But thank you again so much, Isaac. We appreciate you being on. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to us again. Um, thank you for at our Mountain Bike Radio for hosting us. Uh, they're absolutely love. Check out any of the number of podcasts on their app. They're absolutely fantastic people. And uh, I guess that's it. Unless you have anything else for us, Claire. Nope. Goodbye, everyone. Night, everybody.